It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, January 15th, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. If you've registered for the COVID vaccine through search, are 65 or older, or a frontline essential worker, keep a close eye on your inbox. When the Sitka Unified Command met on Wednesday, Search's chief medical officer, Dr. Elliot Brule, said they're receiving a brand new shipment of COVID vaccines this week. They will begin contacting those who meet the current vaccination guidelines via email over the next few days. Really, we're, we're hopeful that with this round of vaccine that we're going to be able to get well down, if not all the way through the 1B groups. Um, probably not all the way through it, but quite a substantial way through it. Brule said the consortium had already administered thousands of second doses and would administer more next week in addition to the wave of new patients. He said they made a lot of phone calls to set people up for appointments during the first round of public vaccinations in December because they were trying to make things easier for elderly patients, but that wasn't sustainable long term. Brule said those who initially registered for a vaccination but only provided a phone number need to re-register with a valid email address. Pharmacist Trish White said she'd kick off a vaccine clinic in partnership with the state and Sitka Fire Department this week. This is our first Moderna vaccine, so these are the number one Modernas, and we did, gosh, about 50, 55. 55 folks, and we'll have the second 55, about that same amount, next Wednesday morning, and we have a big all-day Friday as well. White said her clinics would likely be distributing the Moderna vaccine moving forward. Moderna and Pfizer are both two-dose mRNA vaccines, but Moderna is easier to store. There are links to registration portals for Search and White's Pharmacy on our COVID information hub on our website, kcaw.org. High winds caused at least one power outage in Sitka Thursday. Shortly after 12 p.m., a tree fell on Jeff Davis Street, blocking traffic and damaging power lines. According to a press release, the Sitka Electric Department is working to remove the damaged tree and restore power to the area. In an email to KCAW, Utility Director Scott Elder wrote that they expected to restore power to the area this evening. He asked that the area be avoided if possible until the repairs are made. COVID-19 has claimed the life of an Angoon elder. 80-year-old George Nelson Jr. died in December after being hospitalized in Anchorage. As the Admiralty Island community grapples with its first coronavirus death, residents are also grieving the loss of a clan leader and bearer of Tlingit language and culture. KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports. George Nelson Jr. didn't learn English until he was around seven years old. He grew up speaking Clinket, and he wanted to make sure that the language didn't die with him. When I needed help with my Clinket, he was like my Clinket teacher. Mary Jean Duncan was Nelson's friend, neighbor, and caretaker later in life. I asked him about phrases and what's the right way to say things. And then when he'd be talking to me, too, he'd he'd say some things in Clinket, and he'd say, say it, you know, say it, too. Nelson lived as one of 600 or so residents of Angoon, where he devoted himself to his community and his family. He worked as a fisherman, village police officer, and custodian. He coached basketball, served on the local tribal and city councils, filled in as mayor, and volunteered with the Angoon Fire Department. He also spent years as a delegate for the Central Council of Clinket and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. President Richard Peterson was Nelson's clan nephew. He says he was always full of encouragement. Some folks can kind of hold on to this knowledge and guard it pretty closely. And I think 
George was really free with it. He wanted to make sure that that people had the opportunity to know our, our history and our and stories and, and the language. Peterson says losing an elder like Nelson is a loss for the entire Clinket community. He's one of a handful of people across the region they've lost to COVID-19. You know, losing someone like George and, and some of the others that we've lost really hit home for us just how serious this is. And, uh, you know, we, we all need to take it serious. Nelson was also a father of three and a grandfather. He was visiting his family and going to medical appointments in Juneau when he got sick. His daughter, Mary Hewson, says she doesn't know how he and several others in their household contracted the virus. Nelson and his grandson were both hospitalized. He didn't go into any stores, and um, he didn't didn't allow anybody in the house. And um, it's kind of a real mystery about what happened. Uh, it was pretty, pretty devastating, pretty scary. Nelson spent weeks in the hospital. He was eventually intubated and medevac to Anchorage. Houston says that even while he was fighting for his life, he was thinking of others. Every day when I spoke to him, it was always like, are the boys okay? Is Tara okay? And make sure you guys clean your the doorknobs, make sure you wash your hands. Um, you know, it was he was still constantly thinking about his grandkids and his kids. So that was just, you know, that kind of just amazed me that he was as sick as he was. He was still worrying about other people. Houston says she wasn't able to see him right before he died, but she was able to say goodbye over video chat. One of the hardest parts of losing her father has been the inability to grieve with others. It's been pretty hard on the communities because we're so used to being able to support the families in mourning in the way that we do things in our culture, you know. And so now it's like everybody's so isolated, you know. The things that were done when somebody passed that aren't being done, it's, just, it's left a big void in our community. Nelson will also be remembered for his sense of humor, his generosity, his willpower, and his faith. His family hopes to bring him back home to Angoon and follow the cultural traditions around mourning that Nelson taught to so many others in the community but they're waiting until the risk from COVID-19 subsides. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. Sitka's representative in the Alaska House says he's prioritizing a spending cap on the earnings of the Alaska Permanent Fund in the upcoming legislative session. Sitka Democrat Jonathan Christ Tompkins says the theme of this year's gathering of lawmakers in Juneau is massive uncertainty with no organization in place yet and no change in the state's fiscal problems. KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports. Chris Tompkins returns to Juneau for his fifth term, his ninth year in the Alaska House. One week before the start of the session, he didn't yet know if he'd be in a House majority or minority. There's, there's a very good chance that when we show up to be sworn in, that there will not be uh, a president of the Senate or a Speaker of the House with a majority of votes, um, and that we're just in sort of perfect gridlock. As of last month, it looked like an even 2020 split in the House with Republicans on one side and a mix of Democrats, independents, and one Republican planning to caucus together on the other. 
It was just two years ago that a bipartisan coalition didn't get organized in the House until the middle of February. Without that organization, lawmakers are not assigned to committees and bills don't get hearings. Chris Tompkins says it was Governor Dunleavy's budget proposal that galvanized that coalition in 2019. He says nothing's changed with the state's fiscal situation and isn't positive about the latest budget proposal from the Dunleavy administration. It's not a balanced budget, and he's basically proposing a budget that steals the wealth of future generations of Alaskans by spending down the permanent fund. The governor's budget proposes cuts to Medicaid and education spending while paying out thousands in permanent fund dividend checks to Alaskans and a total draw of over $6 billion from the fund's earnings. Christ Tompkins says the permanent fund is his focus this session. He's put forth several bills in our first batch of pre-filed legislation released January 8th. Among those is a proposed amendment to the state constitution capping the amount that can be spent out of the earnings of the permanent fund. So that the whims and caprices and irresponsible impulses of any legislature to spend down the permanent fund for whatever reason, it could be a government program, a piece of infrastructure, a permanent fund dividend, whatever, it has to be kept within a sustainable That amount would be capped at a rolling 5% average of the market value for the fund. Lawmakers set a similar cap in statute in 2018, but that can be changed by new budget decisions. A constitutional amendment requiring voter approval would mean that courts could throw out a bigger draw from the fund's earnings like the one proposed by the governor this year. The Sitka Democrat wants more consideration of other new revenue sources to pay for state government. Chris Tompkins supports a state income tax. He voted for it in 2017 and wished it had passed the Senate that year as it did the House. It's being proposed again this year. It's, it's basically mathematically impossible to think about Alaska's budget without some form of broad-based revenue. And I much prefer an income tax to a sales tax. Two other Christ Tompkins pre-filed bills he says are resurrected from last session. One would recognize public school teachers who've achieved national board certification. And another bill would aid in creation of non-English language immersion programs in Alaska schools. The representative also wants to pursue last fall's recommendations from the Alaska Marine Highway Reshaping Work Group. I appreciate the, the task force's work on the ferry system. It's such a mess. Um, and I, I really would like to pivot from sort of study and discourse to, to action and solutions on the ferry system we're past due. One thing Christ Tompkins isn't piling on for concerns about the upcoming session is the pandemic. He praises the procedures and protocols implemented by legislative staff, including COVID testing and allowances for remote meeting. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News.